adoption stories are powerful stories, aren't they? And so uh, that's why we wanted to, as we jump into the scriptures this morning, we look at what it says about God adopting children, that you might have a sense that uh, there's a very powerful story here. And it is so much at the core of what we're calling Bless Fest, because the concept of Bless Fest is that it's a threefold blessing. We're calling it Bless Fest because first, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1 that we're going to look at Everything that you could imagine that God has blessed us with, he has given to us in Christ. And so this little picture of this guy in this little glass box is just a visual of that when I am in Christ, I am blessed by God with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1 identifies seven of them. And we have simply called them as a memory tool, carfish. And I hope that as I go through them, you can go, oh yeah, I know them. In fact, if you know them, you can say them out loud with me. We are blessed in him as we are chosen and we are adopted and we are redeemed. We are forgiven. We are informed. We are sealed and we are heirs. And the easy image is... Carfish, chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, informed, sealed heirs. Where? In Christ. And one of the most powerful blessings is the blessing of, that we will talk about this morning, adoption. And because we have been adopted and chosen and redeemed and forgiven and informed and sealed in heirs, we bless God. We give him praise. We rejoice in him. So I love the song that Matt has written for us for this series. As we go through Ephesians 1, I think more and more you're going to go, oh, that's why he wrote that line. Oh, that's why that truth is there. Because you're going to see in that song we have an opportunity to bless God for the way that he has blessed us. But it's just not God blessing us and us blessing him It's that we bless others because God has blessed us. For example, last week, chosen. God chose us before the foundation of the earth. And his choosing of us, we bless him. But we also bless others. How? By letting every person Every tongue, tribe, people, and nation know that your payment for sin has been made in Christ. And he has invited every single person listening now to be in relationship with him. The greatest blessing, honestly, we can bless other people with is not food and is not shelter. It is with the good news of God's grace in Jesus. 
So let's not be shy about blessing God with our praise and let's not be shy about blessing others with the good news that Jesus has made a way for them to be restored to relationship with God. If you haven't told anybody in a while, you ought to tell somebody, even if they already know it. You gotta tell somebody, do you know that God has made a way for you in Jesus? And he invites you to have a relationship with him, to find purpose in life and joy. He's chosen us. And this morning, he's adopted. He's adopted his children. Now, when we say adoption, let's put a basic definition to it. Adoption is legally taking another's child and bringing them up as your own. That's what the Bollingers did. They legally took another, someone else's child. See, does every adopted child have a father prior to adoption? Of course. And a mother? Yes, it's not like, because sometimes, we'll talk about this later, sometimes we can think, oh, they don't have any parents. No, they did. And adoption is legally taking someone else's child and not just making their life better. It's taking them as your own and raising them as your own because they are yours. Seriously, that's a big deal. I'm not just, there's a big difference between fostering, which is a great gift, but is adoption a greater gift than fostering? Yeah, fostering is providing a home. Adoption is becoming the home. Legally taking another's child and bringing them up as their own. Here's what the scripture says about God's adoption in Ephesians 1, verses five and six. In love, Two very important words that it begins with. In love, God predestined us to, what? Adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. So six truths about our adoption from God. First, we are chosen for adoption. We are chosen for adoption. In love, he predestined us to adoption. When? Before creation, before we were born. He already chose us. So the Lord does not need an internet or need to scroll through like we do in physical adoption. But we were chosen for adoption. See, we spent the whole week last week talking about how God chose us. But the really thoughtful would have went, whoa, whoa, whoa. Chose me for what? Because I could say, hey, I want to give an example. So I need a volunteer. And Charlie, I choose you. And you might have in your mind immediately panic because you're choosing me is that good or bad well it all depends what the object what the illustration is right see it's great that God chose us but the thoughtful of us go chose me for what 
Did he choose Pharaoh? Just to muddy the waters. Did he choose Pharaoh? Yes, for adoption. No. If you don't want to talk about I'm talking about Exodus. He chose a Pharaoh, but he's choosing for adoption. So when we say he chose us, we are speaking from a family term. He chose us to be adopted. And he did it in love. Why in love? Why in love? Because there would be no other reason to adopt me or you. Seriously. We are not adoptable creatures. Talk about that more in a moment. But it, it begins with in love for a reason. Third, we're adopted as sons. Now sometimes this bothers ladies. No, I want to be adopted as a daughter. And so we'll sing a song at the end. Sons and daughters. But do you know why he adopted us as sons? Because carfish. It's not carfiz. It's carfish, meaning there's an H on the end, which means there's an inheritance. And who gets the inheritance? Sons do. So ladies, don't be bothered that he adopts you as a son. Be glad. Because it's what qualifies you for your inheritance. Because sons get the inheritance. It's not a slight against women. It's an honoring of women. Fourth, we're adopted through Jesus Christ. We're adopted, we're chosen for adoption. In love. As sons. Through Jesus Christ. Does that matter? Oh. Yes. Hey, there's, there's a whole bunch of adoption agencies you could choose in a physical, earthly adoption. Right? Lots of them. There's only one adoption agency for the family of God. I am, Jesus said, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets adopted. No one gets to be part of the family, but through me. It is, it's significant that our adoption is through Jesus because he is the only one by which we can be legally taken from one and given to another through Christ. More on that next week when we'll talk about what? Car. Fish. Redeemed. Fifth, we're adopted in kindness. Kindness is not nice. Kindness is a hundred times better than nice. Let me say it this strongly. If God was not kind, there would be no adoption. Why? Because Jesus says of the Father, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Which we'll see. Is whom? Us. Maybe you don't like to think of yourself as evil and ungrateful. But that's who we be. And so, if he's not kind, he scrolls, if you will, in that image. And don't get lost in that image. But if he's not kind, he scrolls right by my picture and your picture. 
And he does it to the praise of the glory of his grace. See, the blessed fest is he blesses us and we bless him. It's to the praise of his glory. But specifically, it's to the praise of the glory of what? Of what? His grace. I don't want you to miss this. Adoption is all about the grace of God. It's all about his grace. In love, he predestined us. So in love and expressions of his grace. He predestined us, his choosing of us, a reflection of his grace. To adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. The giving of Christ on our behalf, grace. To himself, grace. According to the kindness, kind intention, grace of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. All right, so... Don't miss. Adoption by God is putting the grace of God in lights. And it's for this reason. We're not going to walk out of here singing to the praise, to the praise, to the praise of his glory. Unless we understand who I was and where I lived and what life was before I was adopted. And then who I became and who I was and what life promises after I've been adopted. The more we get, you're watching, the more we get the before and after, the more we will go to the praise, to the praise of his glory his grace to us. So for praise to pour forth because of our adoption, we have to understand what was my life before I was adopted by God? And I'm going to give it to you in stark terms. I was trapped in a kingdom of darkness. Before I was adopted, I was trapped And it was in a kingdom of darkness. Have you ever lived in like pure darkness even for a few moments? If you're trying to sleep, you know, those perfect no light curtains, awesome. If you're trying to live, horrible. Really, have you ever tried to exist, find your way in a place where it was complete darkness? It's impossible. Talking about lost and dangerous, and empty. Just put yourself, this is who you were, who I was before God adopted me. I lived in complete, complete darkness as a slave. A slave to sin which destroys. And as that slave trapped in darkness destined for eternal condemnation. Get a sense of the of life. Keep it real. Almost everybody who goes and adopts physically is just broken by where the child lived prior to the adoption. And oftentimes, 
It's an upgrade from where they had been before that. Now, you may go, uh, is that really just, am I exaggerating? No. Here's what the scripture says about our life before adoption. He rescued us from the domain of darkness. So you might want to write kingdom of darkness, Colossians 1.13. Just so you know, there's a biblical basis for that description I just gave you. And that our old self was crucified with him so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. So if it was that I would no longer be a slave to sin, that, that implies I was a slave to sin. Romans 6, 6, I was a slave to sin. And we know, John 3, 16, whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. So apart from believing in Jesus, apart from the grace of God in Christ, I would be under eternal condemnation. I would be perishing the exact opposite of eternal life. Trapped, where? In darkness. As what? A slave to sin. With what future? Eternal condemnation. Have you forgotten? See, some of you have been adopted for so long you've forgotten where you came from. And it's a good reminder to come back that I was trapped as a slave headed for an eternity of condemnation because, it doesn't stop here, because I was the son of a hateful and lying father. Now make sure you heard what I just said. Because I was the son of a hateful and lying father. Often we think of ourselves, well, God adopted us as orphans. We didn't have a father. But we already established. No, we did. If we didn't have a father, we wouldn't be. So we did have a father. And spiritually, we did have a father. A hateful, lying father who only wanted to destroy me. Now you may go, that's too far, duck. (laughs) I'm okay with seeing myself as an orphan, homeless, needing a family. No, I had a family. And it was a horrible family. Because I had a horrible dad. Son of the devil? Too far. Not according to Jesus. In conversation in John 8 with religious leaders who are resisting him, he says, if God were your father... See, we're not talking about God as created here, creator here. We're talking about God as father. If God were your father, you'd love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from the father. I've not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. And so if you loved him as dad, you'd love me. But you don't love me. You hate me. You know why you hate me? Why you can't hear me? He says, well, why do you not understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't hear my word and you can't hear my word because you are of your father, the devil. That'll ruffle some feathers. Even my wife, Thursday night, she was like, you put up there, I was the son of the devil. And I was like, I don't know, you better show me some scripture on that one. Are you? 
You're the father. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth, zero truth in him. Whenever he speaks, a lie. Now, there's two ways you can read that, and both are true. (laughs) Whenever he speaks, a lie. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. Why? He is a liar and the father of lies. That is my dad prior to adoption. A hateful, lying, only wants to destroy me by what? Trapping me in darkness as a slave for eternal condemnation. Apart from God choosing to adopt me, that is my past, present, and future. So for Father's Day, one of my daughters gave me this glass. I don't know if you can see that. What's what's it say? Best dad ever. Except cooler than that. Best period. Dad period. Ever period. Now, is that nice? Yeah. Is it true? Well, it's true for the thousands of dads who got this glass for Father's Day. Right? See, a thousands, da- thousands of dads go, yeah. And don't be concerned about the shape. Milk goes in here, iced tea, coke. You know, people are like, oh, you got that glass. That's terrible. <laughs> Best dad ever, said thousands of dads. So it's really not completely true. But my previous dad before my heavenly father, worst dad Ever. And he's the only one who gets the glass. Right? I can't hear you. Absolutely right, Doug. Worst period, dad period ever. Lying, hateful, destroying, trapped me. Wanted me to suffer for all eternity apart from God. He hates me and only lies to me. And not only is he worst dad ever, he's like the best at being the worst dad ever. Meaning, he is so good at being so bad that his children often don't even recognize how bad he is. Right? Hey, my... My neighborhood and your neighborhood and your workplace is full of people who are trapped as slaves to sin, sons of a lying, hateful father headed for eternal condemnation, and they think their life is good. It's not because it is. It's because that's how deceitful He is, that he can fill people's lives with stuff that makes them go, life's good, when in fact, 
All he's done is filled their lives with stuff that will ruin them. Worst dad ever. And what did God do? In love. He predestined us. Sons of a hateful lion father, trapped and condemned, destroyed. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. You see, I don't know if we get it. I think every single person listening right now would say, if I heard of a teenager who was in a home with that sort of a hateful father, and the result was that that teenager now was a compulsive, lying, meth addict who already had been convicted of murder and a sex offender, we would all cry, get him out of that home. And nobody would say, and bring him into mine. Correct? Everybody wants that child out. Nobody wants that child in. You get the power of the glory of his grace in saying, I don't just want them out. I want them in. And when, we, when he adopted us, it's like jackpot, baby. Right? When he chose us for adoption, he, he took what nobody would ever in their right mind possibly want. Oh, they'd want them out. They just wouldn't want them in. He, he took us and he said, I'll make you part of my family. And our lives are radically changed, beginning with new father. It, it swings from the worst dad ever to truly. <laughs> There's one that deserves this. Best dad ever. Who? My heavenly father. My heavenly father is best dad ever. He takes me in, makes me his own. Loves me, cares for me, provides for me. Past, present, future. Best dad ever. It's a good reminder because sometimes we're like really ugly, foul mouth, bad attitude teenagers towards our Heavenly Father. We just need to stop and go, No, I used to have a bad dad. Like, really, really, really hateful, lying dad. And I don't always get my new dad, I don't always understand but he could not love me more. 
He could not have saved me from anything worse and giving me anything better. So dad, I don't always get it, but I trust you. I don't always understand, but I trust you. Because you, you love me. In love, you took me out of the horrible, worst home possible and brought me in. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Daddy. You know, Old, Old Testament saints called him Lord God Almighty. They were afraid to write his name down. That was the awe and respect they had of God. And Jesus said, I want you to pray like this, our Father. And Paul says, I want you to know you can call him Daddy. Because he hasn't just brought you out, he has brought you in. Some say, I don't know what God was doing. Why would he create a world that he knew sin was going to ruin? It's just foolish. You ever been asked that? Why would God create a world if he knew a fall was going to take place? Why would he even create people? John Stott gives, I think, a phenomenal answer that. When people ask us the speculative question, why God went ahead with your creation when he knew that it would be followed by the fall. And you understand the fall meaning that man would sin against God and and that oneness with God would be broken. Why would he do that? One answer, it's not the only answer, but this is a good one in my opinion. One answer we can give is that he destined us for a higher dignity than even creation would bestow on us. He intended to adopt us, to make us the sons and daughters of his family. You get that? See, I know you love your dog. Is your dog created by God? Yeah, he actually is. Every animal, every living thing created by God. But does your dog get to call God, Father. No, you maybe. You see, the fact of what God did is not like, oh no, the fall. How do I make this better? This sounds crazy, I know, but listen, the fall is exactly what takes us from people created in the image of God to people who get to become children of God. 
We were not only the highest expression of God in creation, now we move from the high expression, highest expression of God in creation to children of God. Father. The fall was not to the shame of God. It simply made the glory of God, the glory of his grace, shine all the brighter. So we went from a horrible father to a new father. And we gained a new family as part. A new family. And we have a family name. And it's a good one. Did you pick it up in our passage? What's our family name? In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. That is who we are as the family of God. We are the beloved. For God so loved the world. Watch. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Did whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but would have eternal life. They would become part of the the beloved. You have a very, we have, as children of God, a very special place as part of the beloved. It's who we are as the family of God. A new father, a new family, and a new freedom. What were we? Slaves, trapped. And so Romans 6 asks of those who are now part of the new family with a new father this in question, this question. Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? In other words, should we live like we always did? Because it shows how gracious God is to us and Paul says may it never be how should we who died to sin still live in it in other words when you and I were adopted by God out of this horrible family we were not only given a new father and a new family our slavery to sin died with our adoption those chains were broken. Or don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? In other words, when he died and we trust in him, we become identified with him in death so that his death is sufficient for us. Therefore, we've been buried with him 
Lots more on that in two weeks when we get to the in carfish. Through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead. Was he? Was Christ raised from the dead? Amen. Does that matter? Yes. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. You see, it is a new freedom that we have because we're adopted that our chains of slavery to sin that kept us trapped in darkness have been broken by his death and burial and by his resurrection as Christ was raised to the glory of the Father, you and I can walk in newness of life to the glory of the Father. You see, when, when you love people like God has loved you instead of hate people like your father hated you, that's to the praise of the glory of the one who adopted you out of hatred and brought you into love. When you forgive, instead of holding a grudge and making people pay and being bitter and ugly, when you forgive as you have been forgiven, it's to the praise of the glory of his grace in your life. See, we bless others by the new lives we live because he has blessed us with new freedom as adopted children. And we have a new future. A new future. Therefore, because we are now where? In Christ, adopted as sons, there is now no condemnation for those who are right in here. This is a no condemnation zone. Folks, is that good news? No condemnation of your past. None. And some of you are like, oh, really? None? None. No condemnation by God in your present. And no condemnation in your future. Why? Because if you're in Christ by adoption, according to God's amazing grace, no condemnation past present, future. So, what do we do with these incredible blessings? Yeah, I hear, I appreciate it. Bless others, praise God, yes. First of all, I want to invite you if you have not said yes to God's invitation to adopt you. Jesus says, if you're thirsty, 
if you're enslaved, if you're condemned, come to me and rivers of life will flow out of you. There really is no reason for anybody this morning to say, I'll stay trapped. I'll stay in darkness. I'll stay enslaved. I want to invite you, as Jesus has invited each of you, to come to him, to admit who you are, created by God, but a son of the devil. Deserving of wrath, under condemnation. Admit who you are and receive God's grace. You see, coming to church, listening to church, watching church doesn't make you adopted. What's the only adoption agency that God uses? His son, Jesus Christ. So I'd invite you, I'd beg you, why stay in a horrible family? Would you put your faith in Jesus Christ and be born again to a new father, a new family, a new freedom with a new future? I invite you. To not just know about Jesus, but to become in Jesus. Are you in the Lord? It's not by works. It's by your admitting your sin and saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in you. I trust in you. Would you save me? Second, we can bless others by how we have been adopted. And one of the ways we can bless others is this pure and undefiled religion is in the sight of our God and Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress. We can literally provide physical fostering and adoption as the people of God. And I got to say, it ought to be the Christian home that would be the best home for those without a home to be brought into. So we have uh, this morning out in the courtyard, Jessica Phoenix, who's one of our members. I'm very grateful that she works for Family Support Services here in North Florida. And they help with fostering and adoption. I'm not saying that every person who's a believer in Jesus is required to foster or adopt. But as we have been adopted, I would ask of you, would you prayerfully consider? Lord, is that something you would have us do? Not because it's easy, but because it's a blessing as we have been blessed. One of the most powerful influences in my life is 
my mom. Some of you know this. But uh, when us kids grew up, four of us, mid-80s, AIDS pandemic, people freaked out of their mind, and nobody wanted these babies born to HIV moms because they were HIV positive. And my mom stepped up and said, I'll take them in. She started fostering and ended up adopting four little girls who nobody wanted. And then cared for the daughter of one of the girls she adopted after she died from HIV. And so she was like an 80-year-old taking care of an eight-year-old. So like I said, it's not because it's easy. And I watched my mom endure great hardship and a lot of pushback for doing what she did. But she would say, God had always put in my heart that maybe I'd have an orphanage one day. Just never knew it would be my home. And I don't know that we do this because kids will ever always appreciate it. Because there's lots of stories of kids who didn't appreciate it. But my mom goes, gave those four girls and lots of kids before that through fostering, she gave them life and a home and love. Blessed by God to bless others. So would you at least say, Lord, I'll trust you. You're a good dad. Best dad ever. You want me to do that? Want me to bless in that way? And I'll trust how he leads us. Adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers. Spiritually, the highest privilege that the gospel offers. And this is why I want us to, to close this morning with a song of, to the praise of his glory. Because all uh, chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, informed, sealed, heirs. I'm always going to get to, oh, we need to praise the Lord for this one. But this is uniquely powerful. J.I. Packer says, Adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers. Higher even than justification. You know what that is? That we were guilty before God, but he took our guilt away. So as if we were now righteous, as if we had not sinned. It's higher than justification. To be right with God, the judge, is a greater thing. But to, is a great thing. But to be loved and cared for by God, the Father. What? Greater. Do you catch that? To be declared legally righteous. To walk out of court free? Sweet. But then to go home and to have a home and a dad and a family? Sweeter. Far sweeter. Yes? So let me invite you. 
let's stand together and let's declare with hearts pouring out with praise of the great grace of God.